Hello everyone and welcome to episode 2 of Interjections. Today the boys break down Inter's continued pursuit of a striker, the signing of Jan Sommer, and play a game called Inter's Worst Transfer Post-Treble. Thanks for joining. Welcome back to episode two of Interjections. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here with Jay, Irfan, and Miko. Guys, how are you all doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How, uh, how is everyone following uh, a crazy week? Well, heartbroken is the word I would use after seemingly having an opening for my dream signing of Skamaka slipped through our fingers. You know, it's funny. If, if we had recorded an episode on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, it would have been 60 minutes of me explaining to everyone why I think Skamaka is the perfect signing for Inter. And instead... Atalanta hijacks the deal, it falls through. And now, as Miko kind of put it when we were talking earlier, we're really back to where we were last week. Skamaka's off the table. Balogun is the big name target. He seems to be the number one option in attack. And we still don't have a striker. So time is a flat circle. <laughs> as a wise man once said, yeah. Um... <laughs> It's funny yeah. how how that progression went. It really was like I, I like the links to Skamaka uh, didn't really <clears throat> pick up until after we recorded last week, and then over the course of like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they really ramped up to like, oh, this is looking like eighty percent likely to happen. And in the course of like a day, it went from eighty percent to zero percent really quickly. Um, and yeah, as you said, here we are back, uh, back looking at Balogun. But how do you guys feel about pulling out of the Skamaka deal? Do you think we should have paid more? Are you upset that we didn't pay more, or do you think we did well to, you know, to draw a hard limit? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I feel like there's been a few, like there's been a few reports coming out about what exactly happened. But depending on what that, you know, what the reality was, if we decided not to increase our offer by like two million, and that's the reason we ended up missing out on him, I- I'm not sure I agree. Especially if the amount that we're going to end up spending for someone like Balogun is probably going to end up being a lot more. Now, again, you know, you have to weigh the player's age, you have to weigh the potential risk, the the, the profile of the player, the ability to possibly sell them in the future and all that, but missing out on someone like that for maybe $2 million when the other names that have popped up outside of, let's say Balogun, we'll discuss them later, but you're talking about like someone like Beto or Morata or 
and Zola and all the prices for those seem to be inflated as well. Uh, I'm not sure if you just, let's just accept that you're going to overpay by, you know, two to 5 million for any forward. Uh, I'm not sure I'm supporting losing out on Skamaka for just, you know, two or $3 million, but I don't know what you all think. Yeah. That, that that's a fair point, and I actually heard that was it maybe Thursday we could have like sealed the deal if we just paid more, and uh, I read that our offer was like what was it on Friday twenty four plus four or something, if I remember, and if we had the, uh, offered that on Thursday we could have like sealed it. Or, or 25 or something but we we like hesitated and then Atalanta like swooped in on Friday and then <laughs> then it was just like over for us we we didn't want to go go further and I, I don't know it, it feels a bit stupid stupid uh, like it's it's uh, at, uh, like af- after all it's August already so why don't you just like pay and get your guy. So, so now we are like, what is it? Two weeks from the start of the season, and we, we are still looking for our guy. So I don't know. This it, is it was a, a bit of a fumble, fumble <laughs> from the management. I think it's just a comment. I was gonna actually gonna save this for the summer discussion, but now it seems like an apt time. And it's just it's a common theme under Maratha that we get into these negotiations and we we think we're somehow going to leverage a perfect deal, whether it be because the player only wants Inter, or we think the club selling us the player has no other options. And we draw out negotiations and seemingly every time we don't get one to two things happens. We don't get the player, Alaska Maka, or we end up getting the player and paying the initial asking price that we could have locked up the player for two or three weeks ago, which happened with Ericsson under Murata. It happened with Summer. Uh, there are other examples. It's, I don't understand the negotiating tactics and I'm fine. Skamaka truly wasn't the number one choice, but I also don't really believe those media reports, especially when it seems like we were so close to signing him. Is it a cash flow issue? Like, do we just have no money, like no cash lying around at any point that we can't, you know, actually complete the transaction uh, and, and just pay? The, the part that makes me think that can't be the case is we were told all summer that the reason we are selling our, you know, young emerging world-class goalkeeper is because we, we need the funds to secure Lukaku. So for forget Lukaku's out of the picture. Now that's fine. You, you still have those funds. How does that not facilitate you just going out and getting your man that the minutes the Onana transfer closed. A forward should have been at preseason camp with us. Yeah. 
But I do, I do kind of think too. that. <laughs> yeah, definitely a goalkeeper too, which ended up also taking like a you know an extra three weeks. I, I think though that there might be some cash flow issue only because if you look at the summer transfer transfer, the same thing kind of ended up there from from reports. It seems like you know we ended up paying more than six million because we wanted to um, uh, span the payments out over two years, and so you know maybe there isn't like an immediate number or there isn't some kind of limit um but the cash flow situation seems to be one where it really prevents us from spending a big chunk of money up front and it might be that they're just allocating that to a specific transfer or a specific position and so that's why with summer even saving you know three million dollars over one year was worth it for them um but i don't know it I think there's more to the financial constraints than I think maybe a lot of people even want to believe. And I've been saying this for a bit. I'm not convinced that the mandate isn't that we end up with kind of like a summer of 2021 type transfer window where we, where we have to end up in, you know, like a plus 50 plus $80 million range on the transfers. What makes the, and I know Uh, so I think the problem is that, you know, smarter minds can figure this out, but uh, we like to view the transfers as like a, as a summer window. And, and I think with the whole, like what happens before June 30th and what happens after June 30th can influence things. So I think my concern is I'm not convinced that we actually have the, the funds to be able to drop 30 to $40 million or euros on a player this summer. And we're going to look for some kind of, arrangement that kind of makes it easier for us to do that. Mm. But how do we do that if if we're buying from abroad, such as, I mean, we were going for Lukaku for like two-thirds of the of the transfer window, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And now we're turning our attention to Balogun. So, and obviously we made a pretty significant offer for Skamaka by our standards. So how do we, I guess even finance these players all from abroad, by the way, Lukaku, Balogun, Skamaka, all from English clubs. How do we get them to accept our offers if they're not going to agree to favorable terms like, you know, uh, like Sassuolo did for Fratesi, like Udinese, look like they will do for Samadzic. Notice how careful I'm being with my wording there because (laughs) now I'm terrified that the Samadzic deal will somehow fall through. I think we do... um... We just accept that it's probably going to be someone like Beto that comes in. Because, I, I, like, if you look at Skamaka, if you look at Skamaka and you, and you look at our offer for Balogun, at least initially, there seems to be some number like twenty-five million, you know, up front that we're not willing to go much further beyond. Um, with Skamaka, we just stopped right at twenty-five, and I think with Balogun, our initial offer was twenty-five up front plus you know something else. Uh, maybe that'll increase a little bit. Maybe it won't. I don't know. The Lukaku thing, I don't think things ever... I don't know. It's hard to see exactly how far we were in that process and how much exactly we were going to um, give to Chelsea. And given that we had already loaned him for like a year, I'm not convinced that there wasn't going to be some kind of a loan plus obligation or you know some payment deferral type situation there. We don't know. But let's see. I mean, it'll we'll find out, I guess, how much we're willing to spend. But I, I'm not convinced that even for someone like Balogun, we have you know thirty to forty million up front. 
that we're willing to spend. Yeah, I One think that's my... a that's a fair point, and I think like like all this su- summer and basic deals that it's so like so weird weird stuff with the with the release clause, uh, so, uh, like paid, but not not exactly that we are we are spreading the payments and so, so weird stuff because the release clauses are pretty low in the end. So. But there's so so much like unknown that we can we can't really really see or or read from the from the rumors. Um, so who is everyone's preferred strike option anyway? <laughs> Silence. There are, yeah, there aren't any good options left, in my opinion. I I have spent. <laughs> I've invested time into trying to watch Balogun highlights. Just given the reports that he seems to be the number one option. And even just ignoring the price for a second. I don't love what I'm seeing from the player. I get the stats are great. But when I watch a compilation of all his goals he scored last season, they're not... Very few of them impress me because they don't really show the, the technical prowess you would hope for out of a forward. It's a lot of tap-ins. It's a lot of running in behind the defense and beating the keeper one-on-one. Not to say, I just think there are going to be fewer of those opportunities if you were to transfer here and be playing for the second, you know, one of the two largest clubs in Italy. It, yeah, I just can't imagine he's not going to be counterattacking as much. You figure. So when I watch him play, when I look at the goals he's scoring, his te- his technical prowess doesn't really impress me. But I also acknowledge it is worlds better than Beto, who I think that dude posted a great video of him just having brick feet, you know, teammates passing the ball to him, and it it, it looked very much like Lukaku. We're just bouncing everywhere. And I really feel like the <laughs> only reason anyone can seemingly want Beto as a striker on this club is they look at him and go, yeah, that's that that physically looks like what a striker should look like. And the, the, the usefulness ends there because he does not score. He cannot control the ball. I just, I will riot if we sign Beto for 25 million. <laughs> I it's times like this where I get a little frustrated at a lack of uh, ingenuity in finding solutions. You know, like we see the same names, same names always linked to us for you know various positions, um, and you know, part of you thinks, is this the best we can come up with? Is this like the only five players in, in the world that we're you know capable of finding within the financial? Um, parameters and uh, you know the skill sets that we're after like there's got to be more than this and of course you're then going to be confronted by people saying well who do you want then and it's I guess I could spend time if I really wanted to going through you know uh, the various leagues and finding players but realistically that's why we pay an army of scouts you know to, to give solutions to the to the coach and to the management I'm recently 
uh, been thinking a lot about uh, what's the guy's name from Sevilla in this series. I think he's a good player. I think he'd be available within budget and he brings technicality and he scores a lot of goals with his head as well. And there's, I don't, as far as I know, never been a single link uh, to him. Um, and I just wonder why, why we don't seem to look outside. You know, the same old, the same old guys. Is it because most of our targets, actually, we can't even say it's because, you know, uh, they'll accept like a player exchange like Fabian or, or Mulatieri like Sassuolo or Uzunese did because, you know, Balogun is not going to be bought with a part, with a part exchange with a player. Lukaku was never going to be bought like that. And same with Skamaka. So it's not like we're confined to only buying players within Serie A. Our, our main targets have been English uh, club players. So yeah, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed at the lack of, at the lack of creativity. Yeah, actually, uh, um, what do you pronounce it? N Nasiri. N Nasiri, yeah. N Nasiri, yeah, yeah. So, I think he he could be like totally available. I remember reading that Sevilla is actually trying to sell players actively. Yeah. So I think. He would be Sevilla, like a lot of the, you know, basically every La Liga team outside of, you know, the the big three need money. Their financial uh, state is not significantly better than a lot of Serie A teams, you know what I mean? So there's, there's resources there. I mean, sorry, yeah, there's options there for us to to explore, but we just don't seem seem interested let me spin the question this way because I'm not expecting we can sit here and throw names out and mm. I don't know how realistic it'll be. Well, what type of striker would you guys like? Cause I do find it perplexing that I think we talked about this last episode, Balogun and Beto are truly polar opposites in terms of build, in terms of abilities. So if I was just to ask you, are you looking, what type of striker? Do you want someone who's more of a target man? Do you want someone who's going to be more of a get in behind the defense? Like, what would you guys prefer? I think I would go more, more of a, like a target type, a bit, a bit, bit bigger, bigger guy because we, we lost Seko and we lost Lukaku. So I would like, some some kind of like a force in the box, or who can who can like stand there and be a threat. Okay, so Miko's choice is better. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, same thing as Miko. I mean, I, I think we need somebody who's more of a kind of prototypical, uh, you, you know, front man forward. Um, basically, Jacko when he was like ten years younger. Or, you know, Skamaka, I think, would have been a really good profile for a striker for us. The concern I have, just one one quick point on Balogun. You know, I, I've heard a lot of the discussion among fans. And he's definitely the kind of uh, signing that's exciting. And he's probably every FIFA player, football manager's favorite player. You just sort by 
you know, potential and you see that this guy is 22 or 21 and, you know, his potential is so high, but, you know, I think there's some serious risks with him, especially at the price tag that's being discussed. So just last year in, in, in France, right. Balogun had 21 goals. You have these other players, Openda, Diallo, Wahi, Ben Yadir, Mafi. All of them are within three goals of him. And no one has ever probably heard of these guys or talked incessantly about these guys. I think I've heard Openda's name, but I would challenge most Inter fans to like figure out who he is in a lineup. The Balogun represents a specific risk for us. We, we need a specific profile for this forward position. And just looking at his goal scoring, I don't think is enough, which is why if you go a level deeper and you look at the kind of skill set he has, just not convinced that the amount of money we're willing to spend on is going to be something that's going to be a good investment. Um, and, and that's my main concern. And I know fans are very excited about him. And I, and I get it. And I, if he comes, I would certainly root for him. And, but I think there's a there's a risk there that a lot of people are willing to overlook, uh, like a Gabby goal type risk, you know, at his work. So Irfan also wants the target man, so that's two votes for Beto. Um, we have to moderate <laughs> votes yeah, Murata, into Murata. into these yeah into these categories because we all know these are the only categories that apparently exist. Um, you know, for me, oh, sorry, just a comment on those names. One of them you mentioned is Ben Yedda. He's a very technical guy. I think he's a good player as well. He's, I think he's 32 now, but, you know, we're linked to Sanchez who's like 35. So, like, you know, why not, to be honest? Um, but I've seen those names, Openda and Wahi. They seem to be tutored by pretty much all fans of all clubs it's like you know there's always like a hot prospect usually from france or you know germany that people seem to rave about uh, especially that wahi guy um i think there's always i don't know it's, it's so difficult to pick players from france that's why that also adds to my you know my doubts about belligan and throw in what i mentioned last week about his his Arsenal background, again, I don't want to keep ranting about it, but these ex-London players, you know what I mean? Um, Chelsea Arsenal guys, their fringe players always seem to just go for obscene money. Chelsea had a youth, former youth prospect, Tino Livramento, um, get sold for $40 million. He was at Southampton. He was out the entirety of last season with the ACL. He's only played 30 games in the EPL. And he was bought by Newcastle um, from relegated Southampton for forty million, you know, um, and that's another formerly highly, you know, highly rated Chelsea youth prospect. Um, I'm kind of merging Chelsea and Arsenal here, as you can see. But um, so yeah, that adds to my doubt about Balogun. But as for what kind of striker I like, I don't know if we're predisposed to wanting that target man because. Jacko did, you know, fairly well at times. Um, when I think of, yeah, I'd like a target man too, to be honest. I would have liked Skamaka a lot, but given, you know, that right now a target man means better. Um, I can't believe 
to, I have to utter these words, but I might have to just go for the all-rounder in Morata. And Lord knows I've, you know, I know I've ripped on Morata for the better part of, you know, <laughs> the better part of seven, eight years. Um, but I mean, given the choices, they're also uninspiring. I think I would have to give my vote to Morata. You know I'm Team Morato, so. <laughs> you're, you're Team Morato's wife. <laughs> this is Probably a depressing conversation. <laughs> it, I love making fun of the delusional Premier League fanboy, and maybe I just spend too much time on the internet, but I, I really equate them to with, like, the child of really rich parents who go out into the world the first time and then they see how much things cost and they're like, really? Like, that's how much that is? As these Premier League fans, Arsenal fans specifically, are saying they want 80 million, 50 million pounds for, for, for uh, they, they want a buyback clause and they want a percentage sell-on fee. And it, it, the Premier League economy is so fake and unnecessarily inflated that these fans have lost sight of how the real world works. And that is, we cannot offer more than 30 million for this guy. Yeah. And for that reason, I do not think there's a prayer that we sign him. Although I, to the player's credit, he's trying his best to force the move on social media. I don't know if you've seen these posts <laughs> Yeah, where he's, you know, it, I think what did he wish like Taram a happy birthday or something? I don't know. There's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He made, he made sure to pick a photo of Taram, you know, uh, in inter training gear as opposed to Borussia Mönchengladbach, but or France, but yeah, and then yeah. Yeah. posting photos of Ronaldo wearing an Inter jersey. Yeah, <laughs> very subtle. Uh, this is this is you know, you know, you think you think these multi-million dollar <laughs> high-power negotiations, you know, happen at like some super high technical big player level but no this is what it comes down to some 21 year old kid just posting pics on instagram to make subtle hints <laughs> uh, hey who knows if maybe if skamaka would have posted something on instagram we wouldn't be having this conversation about atalanta somehow hijacking us look i will say in i, I did want to say this and i was actually saving this for when we signed him but obviously that's now moot um, as much as I wanted Skamaka, I do think there was a chance he could flop with us. Uh, reason being, not to, not to sound a bit judgmental, but he's got that shitbag DNA. You know what I mean? He comes from the yeah. he comes from the streets. Um, I do see a bit of that Cassano Bellatelli kind of you know wild child kind of thing in him. And of course, there's always the risk of having your having your cars terrorized by his dad breaking into the training ground and just smashing up all the vehicles. So, you know, <laughs> we probably saved a few thousand dollars on, on car insurance by not signing Skamaka. Um, but yeah. Looks, is, it the ne- is it the neck tattoos that gave it away? <laughs> oh yeah. The throat tattoos. Yeah. That, that's always, <laughs> that's always a, a good sign in a young man, you know? <laughs> hey, We've had lots, lots of success with neck tattoos in the past three years, right? So Vidal, Nangolan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Dalbert have one too? I think he does. 
think he I think does it's like too. the side of the neck tattoo, like the <laughs> like the kind of your typical like um, Latino gangster kind of tattoo on the side of your neck. You know, you see in the American movies like Training Day and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the new transfer strategy. Don't don't buy somebody that has uh, a neck or face tattoo. The only, the only player I can think of that has face tattoos is um, who was that guy who played for Mauricio Pinilla? Yeah. I think that guy face tattoos. <laughs> I'm no, pretty sure we I, were linked with him at some point. But yeah. I, think you, I think you made a really good point about um, Skamaka and also about Balogun. Look, there's an element of risk for all these all these guys. Uh, I think what's interesting is that for Balogun, I've heard fans say, "Oh, he's actually worth seventy or eighty million." I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, let's just assume everybody has the same information and da- data as, as you know, most of us. Like, no one, no one sat there and watched thirty games of Reims playing last year, right? So we're we're basing our our analysis of this guy on, you know, YouTube clips, compilations, uh, you know, and then also you know, a, a video footage of his goals and. You're looking at the stats, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the stats, right? So when you look at all that stuff, I get it. It's it's an interesting profile. It's the kind of it's the kind of high reward um, you know, signing that you know most of us have wanted for for years. Like very similar to the kind of the attributes that we uh, we think about when we think about the uh, Samarjic uh, potential signing, right? Young player, exciting potential to be really good. And I've mentioned this before, the fact that he's American and we're going into a World Cup with America could generate a lot of marketing and other opportunities for us, too. But given that everybody has the same amount of information, some of the enthusiasm for Balogun, I think, is extremely um, overrated. And, and again, I want him to succeed. I wouldn't mind if we if we got him. Uh, but I, I, I'm not as quick to just, you know, overlook all of the risks. I think. Um, and also I mentioned this, I'm a little concerned that, you know, for his profile and his potential price, why aren't other teams? I know there's some chatter about West Ham and somebody else, but you know, this is, this is nothing for like an EPL team. Um, so, and and it's not like a lot of them have world beating strikers. So it seems a little weird to me that he's not getting more, more attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have not seen any, Rumors about, or I've not seen any fans saying that, you know, they want 80 million for him. And thank God for that, because that would have triggered me insanely. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's some kind of AFTB kind of thing, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm glad I avoided that nonsense. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, let's, I'm just going to end my, my input on strikers with, Let's just sign Morata and then, you know, pretend it yeah. never happened. <laughs> it's not a bad outcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the record, that uh, when I when I gave my response to the question of what type of forward I wanted, I didn't specify I want Beto. If, <laughs> if it were. Out of these three names, uh, I might go for Morata actually. Yeah, but it depends on the prices. A bit it depends on the prices. If if Balogun is like cheap enough, I want I might want him him rather than Morata because I think Morata will be that 
20 million or 21. Yeah, even Morata is, is like, I don't think we're even getting a good deal on Morata. You yeah. know what I mean? If we yeah. sign him at the prices that were previously rumored, like, what were they saying? Like, we have to pay 20 million or something? Like, yeah, so it's the release clause. Or maybe, maybe we can, 21. maybe we can it's... pay it over two years and pay 22 instead. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh, yeah, I have this one one question that let's say let's say we we get Balagan next, but then we can we can sell Korea or or loan him out or whatever. What type of what type of striker you would guys want then after after that as the fourth fourth guy? One with a pulse, preferably. Yeah, yeah. at this point, I'm sorry, for, I'm sorry for the striker that. Could... Just get someone um, and then, yeah. Yeah. It, this could work, I think. If you sign... I don't think Correa is going anywhere for the record, but if you could loan him out and you bring in Balogun, then you can get your fourth striker, have him be a useless, stiff body target man. And I think everyone is somewhat satisfied knowing that the production can't possibly be any worse than what we received last year. Yeah, that, well, that's, what, that's what I was looking for because Balogun is like, he's not even 180 meters, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. So it's a bit of an issue. Of course, Turam is he, he's taller, but but I don't think he's super physical player anyway. We've done it before case. in recent years out of necessity. And if, you know, this transfer market has shown anything, it's that, you know, necessity is one of the key factors in how we operate. Why don't we just, <laughs> why don't we just keep, do we even have any youth to keep? Like we kept, I mean, in our championship winning squad, we played with Pinamonti as our fourth, you know what I mean? And the season before that, when we were actually targeting the Scudetto, we played with Esposito as our fourth. I do not like Esposito. I think he's, you know, the tool. Um, and he seems to uh, get in trouble wherever he goes. But he is a technical player. He scored some free kicks, you know, at youth level from like 25 metres out. That takes, you know, a certain degree of, of technical ability. Um, so could we potentially keep him as a fourth if Correa was sold or loaned out and we brought in, you know, Balogun or Morata as the as the second or third choice. Yeah, perhaps we haven't loaned him yet. Exactly. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason. I think if we if we get Morata, I I would be okay to roll the dice maybe and keep Esposito, but if we're gonna bring in Balogun and then you've got Taram, Balogun, and Esposito. I mean, that's doing yeah, Lotaro that's, a huge disservice, man. Like, that, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That would be like a quite, quite a risk to go with that kind of uh, forward yeah. forward group. But yeah, I, I just want to like a quick, uh, quickly continue with this because I, I heard like earlier this week, uh, Marotta actually contacted Tibala. That, that's what I heard. So <laughs> that's like a... Oh, you think he's like going a, to Roma? 
No, he's saying that they contacted oh, Dybala. Oh, Marotta. I thought, sorry, I think Morata. Very confusing uh, yeah. names. Yeah, yeah Marotta. Marotta contacted Dybala. So uh, I was just thinking that what if there's a scenario we have Balogun, would we still go to Dybala? I don't maybe, think so. I don't think we could afford we both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, given given that Roma have spent zero dollars, uh, this this Mercato, if we poached Dybala off them, Mourinho's just going to quit on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm already I'm I'm already anticipating Mourinho's. You know, it'll start off as like really snide comments when they fail to beat some shit team. You know what I mean? About how, you know. Well, what can I do with this group of players? Oh, you know, other teams, you know, have spent hundreds of millions of euros and instead we've sold players and not bought anyone. I've been waiting for that. It's, it'll start with that. But if we, you know. Well, did you see we, what he did with the team picture? The team picture? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no? What did he do? It was classic, classic Mourinho. So they took like a team picture and in it, he, he, he basically had like a extra space in between him and another player. And he put his arm like in that space <laughs> as if there was a player there. And that was like his little joke about how he's waiting for a forward yeah. that they haven't gotten him yet. <laughs> he took that as a good picture. I've been thinking more like a, if they don't get get him a forward, he will quit and then Dybala will want out. But I don't think they will. I don't think Dybala like, would go out if Mourinho stays, I think he will stay there if Mourinho stays. Let's but pose yeah. this question then. Would you guys prefer Dybala or Balogun? If you're going to the season with your strikers as Lataro, Taram, Dybala and Correa, I guarantee you there will be more than three matches where Mkhitaryan starts at striker because <laughs> those three are not staying fit enough. Yeah. The scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> what about Sanchez? Sa- Sanchez. No, he's, o- he's offered <laughs> himself to Inter as well. <laughs> it's always it's always a good sign when players offer themselves to the. <laughs> <laughs> but we paid but, him to leave. <laughs> yeah, but but he honestly, season. If, if we would have cut um, Skamaka. Then Sanchez would have maybe made some sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because he's yeah, like I agree. Free. He's free and he's like three million net net salary. So, and let's be clear about why Sanchez is back on the table, other than him offering himself to us. He he did really well in the French league, which again speaks more to the French league than it does Sanchez, and goes back to our point about Balogun. And all the other players I named who scored 18 plus yeah, goals yeah, yeah. in the French league. Like, we have to be, I don't know, there, there has to just be more than just stats and highlights, right? Like, I don't know. Didn't Lacazette have a monster season as well? Last, 27 goals. 27 yeah, goals. I've, 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 always, I've always kind of crapped on that guy when, you know, Arsenal bought him for like 50 million a couple of years back. I remember thinking, well, Lacazette's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bum. And then I don't think he ever really lived up to the hype at Arsenal. And now the second he goes back to Leon, he's scoring, you know, yeah, twenty seven goals. So yeah. Guys, we're we're a week away from being linked to Obama Yang, okay? 
Let's be, let's be real here. <laughs> hey, he, he just signed for Marseille. He is unavailable. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Right, let let me put this in perspective. They brought in Obama Mayang to replace Sanchez. <laughs> but yeah, they, they are a bit different type of players. So maybe, uh, maybe that's the reason. Or, or was Sanchez, like, did Sanchez have like a longer contract and they terminated it? Or... What was yeah, that? he's only I'm been there actually... for a year. Surely he wouldn't have only signed on for a year. Yeah, I'd actually know what's the what's the deal with did, that. Did, did Marseille pay him to leave as well? <laughs> <laughs> this is such a depressing discussion, Andrew. Just seriously, just end this. Like this is yeah. <laughs> well, let me just let me just put a wrap on this by saying this: we we are in a very poor financial state as a club, and there's. Every player we are going to be linked to and every player we could possibly sign is going to be damaged goods, whether it be Lukaku, who was a Premier League flameout and mental headcase, whether it be Morata, who every European club has given a trial at some point, or even Balogun, who is just a great unknown and has you know, ridiculous demands from Arsenal. Every player we're linked to is going to be flawed. We need to choose which flaw we're most comfortable with. And I will conclude by saying I'd rather sign Balogun than Beto or Morata. Morata. Fair enough. Because I'd rather take the, you know, you you guys will learn. I'm all about take, I'd be fired as a director of a football club in about six months because I'm all about reckless chances. And I'd rather take the punts on the upside and take a known proven mediocre commodity. Yeah. 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 That's the most anti-Italian uh, opinion out there, but. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I really should be a premier league fan, but here I am. Yeah. Speak, speaking right. of, speaking of um, unknown, I think that transitions as well to the um, next topic, which you wanted to discuss, which is goalkeepers. Sorry to steal your thunder there, uh, but. We were linked to the goalkeeper from Atletico Paranaense um, from the, how do they pronounce it? The Campeonato Brasileiro, you know. Um, his name is Bento Mateus Krepsky. Now, Krepsky is a illegal name for a Brazilian, but whatever. The second we were linked to this guy, I was all in on him. I really want him. Have I watched him play? Look, that's not the point, okay? <laughs> Had I heard of this guy before we were linked to him? Absolutely not. But something about signing a a random Brazilian from Brazil, it's, it's exciting, yeah? So I'm all for it. I'm really, you know, I'm really rooting for this guy, even though, I've, even though I couldn't even pick him out of a police lineup. I don't even know what he looks like. But you know. Well, much like his last name, he looks a little on the Polish side. Um, <laughs> I... When was the last time we had a regular contributor to this team who was a Brazilian and good? Like, I think it's the treble team at this point, right? Mycon? Probably yeah. you have to go that far back. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had a good Brazilian player in a long time. I, I don't know. The last Brazilian was Delbert, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's either him or Barbosa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look, I don't know. Barbosa is a two-time Libertadores champion. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> put, put some respect and, on his name, but no, don't no. forget Dodo. Dodo. 
Oh, Dodori, yeah. Um, yeah, it would be MyCon. It, all the way back to MyCon. But, uh, so I think we're all comfortable with Summer as the first keeper. No, no one's outraged by that transfer, are they? No. No. The proven commodity, low-cost, stopped absolution, pretty much the interspecial, you know, same vein as a Mkhitaryan, same vein as a Zeko. The only, the only uh, negative association with Soma is the fact that we negotiated from for, for two months <laughs> to bring his price down from six million down to six point seven million. So, you know, um, <laughs> other than that, no problems with Soma. Yeah, so it, we're all comfortable. Summer is going to be the undisputed number one. You, you want to take a project number two. There were actually, as soon as we finished recording last week, there were a lot of rumors that Stankovic was actually going to be staying as the number two. Yeah. I'd like to think that this pod is already influential, given that the second we released our first episode, the Skamaka link picked up and Stankovic as the number two was immediately an idea. Um, so you think you, you take a known commodity in the summer, as the number one, you want to sign a project as a number two. We all like Trubin, which we've all seen him play. That doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. If we want to take the punt on this random Brazilian, none of us have ever seen play keeper before as our number two, by all means. just You, you need to bring in someone younger to be the deputy to hopefully get some Copa games and get some experience before being loaned out to Syria B because, you know, that's our MO. <laughs> <laughs> is, um, is Brazil still on our books? Yes, he is. Yeah, he just got loaned to like. Oh, good, good. I don't know. Let me guess, Syria B, Tenana <laughs> or something. Is it Tenana? Tenana, yeah. All right. I, I'm fine with uh, this Brazilian guy, Brazilian Polish guy. <laughs> you, don't, uh, you don't even know his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think I just think Bento Box. I'm good yeah, with Mr. Bento. Um, and, and I'm okay rolling the dice on Stankovic as the second keeper. If if we need to do that, if that money will be used elsewhere to supplement the team, I don't anticipate Summer getting and being injured too often. Um, but, you know, he is older than a lot of other goalkeepers, so it might be more of a risk than I'm letting on. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like with Summer, we've we've – close this chapter and whoever we end up like if it's not going to be a Brazilian Polish guy it'll probably be somebody else that we can get I still don't really understand why we can't land Trubin I think Shakhtar are, are being insanely difficult here because the guy's going to walk for free so I think they're playing with leverage that they don't really have um, and then the other thing that I just want to remind everybody is that we have now once again like 2021 gone into a phase where we've sold a promising goalkeeper at his prime for 50 plus million dollars and replaced him with an aging veteran who is, you know, five or six million dollars. So one tenth of the price. Um, I, at, least, I just, at least it's not one percent of the price. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it just the, the shades of like moving from Hakimi to Dumfries and moving from Lukaku to Korea, essentially, um, it's just it's just that all over again, right? And I, I don't think we should overlook the fact that you know th there's a again a uh, gap in the squad 
uh, quality mm-hmm. and squad value um, being done here by Sooning. Oh, yeah. If you look at like that, you know, the transfer marked or like any kind of metric of player market value, and you look at like the combined squad value from when we won the Scudetto to now, every six months is dropping by like 50 million. You know what I mean? We've gone from yeah. like a, a, a squad that, and obviously these fluctuate with uh, performance. Uh, so you've got like a Scudetto winning squad, which was, to my recollection, valued around like, 550 million euros combined and then now we're probably in like the 400s if not worse you know yeah. give it two years we'll be you know <laughs> our squad value will be 200 million which is like a Fiorentina level <laughs> yeah and all of this is happening with you know an extra 100 million or so that were put into our coffers from the Champions League final last year mm-hmm. I mean this is a team that went all the way there I mean Again, I know I'm harboring on the whole depressing financial front point, but it's hard not to view forward and goalkeeper within that context. Um, so, yeah. If you go position by position in the squad and you look at this year versus last year, at this current point in time, you can overwhelmingly say almost every position is worse off in my opinion, whether it be keeper, defense, midfield, possibly, you know, we all, we all love the idea of Fertese, but he is not as proven as Brozovic. I'll save the whole rant. This, the point is the quality of the squad has steadily decreased since the Scudetto winning team. And it's most frustrating to watch, in my opinion, because if you look at how much success we had in Champions League this year. Imagine how that team could have looked with Hakimi instead of Dumfries or, you know, Perisic coming in as a reserve left wing back. It it could have been something special. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Keeper situation. We'll, we'll see what happens, but at this point we're just looking for number two. Romano said summer should be here. Later this week, I think. He might have said Tuesday. I might be confusing dates. Regardless, keeper situation should be settled soon. As opposed to the defense situation in which there is seemingly zero urgency to find anyone. Which makes you think Inzaghi is very comfortable going into the season with a starting three of Darmian, a Cherby, and Bastoni. And I know we talked about this a bit last week. There, there's not much depth. And in, unless we go and we sign someone like a Toloi, there, there doesn't appear to be another move coming anytime soon. I also read that, just to complicate matters, uh, that the relationship has soured a little bit between us and... Atalanta, following the whole Skamaka thing. I don't know how true that is. It's just one of those, you know, offhand Twitter screenshots from some source with questionable reliability. But just that, just wanted to throw that in there. But um, if that is the case, then it may be harder than we thought to get Demiral or Toloi. Um, and you mentioned the lack of urgency. 
there, but I was going to say it applies to everyone. I mean, or it applies across the board. I mean, there's 12 days to the season starts and they're like, oh, summer, you know, next week, Tuesday or maybe Wednesday, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday, how about Thursday? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, like we need these guys, we needed these guys two weeks ago, you know what I mean? To have them into the season, uh, to have them in for, for training. They've missed preseason essentially. They haven't had preseason with us and like we've learned or we've seen from, you know, well, everyone knows players are generally going to settle in faster and preseason is an excellent time for that because you have the whole um, you have the whole camp dedicated to their fitness and to getting them up to speed with the manager's tactics. Whereas if we sign them so late in the window, they got to kind of hit the ground running or they're not going to be readily available to contribute straight off the bat. Um but yeah, you know, I'm personally very concerned about the centre back situation. I think it's even more concerning than the striker situation. Um, I'm just, I just have a hard time seeing Acherbi and Damian keeping up the levels that they performed that last year. And again, keep in mind that I think the levels, those levels that I'm referring to, are influenced by the fact that we got to the Champions League final we did lose 12 games in the league, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, like, it's not like our defence was particularly great all season, you know? In fact, it was... uh, In fact, it was demonstrably poor for large parts of the season. Um, So, yeah, I have this romantic image in my head of Acherbi and Damian giving that that last swan song culminating in the Champions League final. Um, But, yeah, I, I don't think they'll play at that Champions League final level for, you know, 38 Serie A games next season. And that's why I really think we need, like, a prime defender. Because Chamberlain and Damian were not that. They were never meant to be that. They have never been that at Inter, you know. They were both bought as cheap, like, super cheap reserves. And due to certain situations, certain circumstances, they just happened to be elevated to first-team choice. And to their credit, they did really well when given those opportunities, but it doesn't change the fact that they were never meant to be in those positions to begin with, right? So I do really want a prime, in their prime, <laughs> centre-back who is designed to be a sure starter in the way that Skriniar was, you know, last season or the season before. Um but again, where's the money? Where's the where are the links? You know, the only defender we've been linked to who isn't over thirty three is Demi Roll, and even then he's a you know uh, like a persona non grata at Atalanta right now. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think one of the major your point on um, Darmian and. Uh, Acherbi is exactly right. I mean, look at what we got from Jekko in his first year, even though he's faded too um, towards the end of the year, compared to what we ended up getting in his second year. It's just, it's it's unfair to expect aging players to consistently deliver that high level of performance year over year over year. Um, like you mentioned, I think they did a great job last year, but I do think it's foolish to depend on them uh, again this year on multiple fronts where we're expecting to compete uh, and your backups are essentially just Bissek who is 
promising but like very unknown at this point. And uh, DeVry, who, you know, again, everyone knows is very, very limited, if not finished, as a player. And so the other thing I'll just quickly mention is that, you know, we defend as a team. And I know Hakan did a great job on the defensive front filling in, but Brozo, Brozovic is also a defensive, essentially, loss for us. Yeah. And then on top of that, Good you're point. moving to Quadrado, who is not particularly defensive, and you know we talked a little bit about this, but you know if you're going to play, <laughs> if you're going to play Demarco and Quadrado together, uh, it's going to stretch your defense too because neither of them are particularly good mm. at defense. Which again is a great reason why Gosens should stay. And I would rather have Gosens start when uh, we're playing Quadrado versus Demarco starting. But it's gonna the, the defense is going to be stretched next year. And like you mentioned, we didn't do great in the league as it was. So I think it's a mistake for us not to prioritize getting a starting caliber central back, um, someone in like, you know, the 25 to 28 range uh, versus just looking for another stopgap. Yeah. I, I'm not as, as, uh, as hopeless as you guys <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. Give us some offense. <laughs> But uh, I think I think our starting starting defense will be good enough. Uh, I don't think they will like regress as much. But what I'm a bit afraid of is is if let's say Darmian gets injured, who's gonna play then on the right side? Because I don't wanna put the right there. And what about Pisek? No, no one knows how I was gonna handle the Serie A. So, uh, we have to play this look at that situation. And that, yeah, then right. you reverse my idea from last week dumb freeze right center back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but, um, but uh, I've seen these rumors of uh, Tomiyasu in Arsenal, and then, of course, uh, how do you pronounce this? Jalopa. Chelsea. Not that guy again. Not that guy again. I just don't want to do business with Chelsea or Arsenal. Like I said, all their fringe and youth players are bloody overvalued to hell. What do they want for Chalaba? Like 30 million at least, probably. Yeah, but if you can get get some same kind of deal as as Milan got with Tomori, like the Plus I was just gonna say when I hear Chalabo, I think Milan player, future <laughs> Milan player, fits the profile perfectly in all areas. Let him let him go there. Let him cook. <laughs> <laughs> for, for, for what it's worth, the Chalabo rumors have mostly been a dry loan. I think I haven't seen anything about us actually purchasing him. Yeah, yeah. and same for Tomiyasu, but. Tomiyasu rumors like are like week old at, at, at most. So, but the, the same issue is that Arsenal and Chelsea they don't want to loan. They they want yeah they want to sell. But that that might change when we are going to the like end of August when the deadline is coming. But Andrew, what do you think? Do do you think that we're just we're just comfortable with this this center back situation, or you think we will pull another move? I do think someone else is coming. If you remember last season, how the season had started, I believe, and Inzaghi was 
public, which is very unlike him, publicly pleading in post-match conferences for management to sign another center back, i.e. a Cherby. Yeah. It just I, seems I think, like, okay, there, there are big priorities that need to be filled. This team needs another striker. This team needs a starting goalkeeper, believe it or not. Um, so maybe focusing on those two positions and then figuring out how much money we're going to spend there and based on what we walk away from that situation with, then you go, you, you find a disgruntled player who has been kind of relegated to the bench of his squad. Try, try Turkish, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, you know, they're chopping around the bargain bin of Syria teams, seeing who wants to just send us someone with a loan with an option and see if you can integrate them. I, I, I think that has to be the plan because that's, that's the only point. position. There, there are three obvious holes in the squad left, in my opinion, and that is a reserve keeper, a start, you know, a third striker and a center back. It, I understand why the strikers, the highest of those priorities. And then maybe we're worrying about the center back later in the market. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to remember that we, we signed a Sharpie, like, was it in the deadline day or something? So it was really close to the end of the window anyway. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems that we are going to do the same thing now. Bring Even me a situation is a bit different now. Yeah, bring me Luca Calderola. Bring him back. I was gonna, I was gonna say, yeah. Well, I'm surprised we're not linked to him at some point. I just want him to stop scoring against us, and then also they just signed Dumbo, so why not just you know pluck him away and bring him back? But I, I think, yeah. Otherwise, Dumbo is gonna cross and give the assist to Calderola on match day one because we are playing Monza on match day one. Oh, are we? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I, I do find it interesting. Like, I have been yelling that D'Ambrosio is a finished player for five years. And it seems premature almost to have let him walk when you so obviously need a right center back. Just once again, working in the assumption that we have a $0 budget. It yeah. seems extending him for one season would have solved a lot of problems. I think that applies to Handanovic at goalkeeper, yep. but yep. not to Dan Brozu, personally. Because I think Handanovic would have contributed more than Dan Brozio. Obviously, Handanovic, you know, club captain and everything as well, so would have maintained that presence. And that would have been good for Dan Brozio to come to think of it. But like he's worse than Damian, you know, so if we're looking to at least have someone compete with Damian, we need someone who's, you know, at a similar level to Damian at the least. And I wouldn't want to go into the season with Damian as first choice and D'Ambrosio as second choice. You know what I mean? Um, it has to be, yeah, someone at least with the potential to become better than Damian, if nothing else. That's like the bare minimum. Um, I think... At right center back, someone like Toloi is arguably better than Damian. He's an actual center back, and like we discussed last week, he's actually fairly technical on the ball um, and has experience playing in that position as well. So he wouldn't be a bad shot. Um, 
But yeah, I'm struggling to think of who we could kind of poach on, you know, in the last week or towards the end of the transfer window um, from another Serie A side, assuming that that's going to be the, you know, we're just going to follow our usual MO. At a position that should have been locked up long-term already if we yeah. just handled the situation better. I mean, it just, it, it again goes back to that point, like to let Skriniar walk away. It, it's just, it's such malpractice. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and going back to our initial point about the forwards, you know, this is where the real kind of opportunity costs come into play. I, I would rather have Morata and Demiral than Balogun and like nobody at central yeah, back. Too. You know what me I mean? Too. Like it just, it, we force ourselves into these positions where we have to fill all these holes with limited money. And then we want to splash huge on one position. And it's just, I'm not sure how much sense that makes. Signing for Tazy for as much as we did feels a tad irresponsible to me in the grander scheme of our screwed finances. But I, yeah. Along with selling Brozovic for a pittance, um, but anyway, we, we, I won't beat that. We'll horse. be paying for that. Yeah, we'll be paying for that next year, though, right? Because Fratesi is going to be on the books essentially for next year, and so yeah. you know we'll have to sell somebody next summer. I'm guessing it'll be Hakan. The mo of this team seems to be find undervalued players, hopefully on a free, hope they do well, and then eventually sell them to just level the playing field. And so I feel like that's what they're probably going to do with Hakan next summer. Otherwise we'll be forced to look into selling Bastoni or Barella or somebody else. Cause we're running out of assets to sell <laughs> at this point. So I don't yeah. know. Fr- well, Fr- is going to re- replace Parel. So it's, it's like a one, one, <laughs> oh, one, one. <laughs> but yeah, Fratesi is the preemptive Barella replacement. Yeah. 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 Cool. We sell exactly. Barella to, to Newcastle to play alongside Tenali, but you know, we'll sell for, 40, for 45 million, million for yeah, 45 exactly. million. Yeah. 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 Hey, so significantly less than Tenali. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget about Taram. He's a prime plus yes. one's uh, Yeah, exactly. Opportunity. Yeah. Who's going to take him when his salary is 6.5 million? You know what I mean? Like, who's going to pay him more than that? Uh, uh, when I, I read The Athletic a lot, which is. It's owned by the New York Times, but their primary, like their their football presence, is primarily British, as you can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And the the article after we signed Taram of United and Arsenal fans complaining that they did not outbid us for him was <laughs> phenomenal. They they were all just at a loss, not understanding why they did not spend more than us for him. There you go. <sighs> Positive right. note. Positive note. There you go. I like that. It's, I, I can't help but contrast the difference in mind, mindset and mentality between Inter and Milan fans as I kick off our last topic of the podcast, which is worst transfers post-travel. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if, we were, if we were the Forza Milan podcast, which we secretly are, they'd probably be ranking their best transfer market. <laughs> and here I am, I have a list of our biggest duds. Um, so how this will work is I'm going to start, I'm going to count down from five to one, give you my five worst transfers post treble. You guys can chime in on what you think of each player. And at the end, you can tell me how I did from a ranking standpoint. So All right. starting 
number five, the aforementioned Dalbert. So <laughs> it's going to be a bad list if Dalbert is only number five. <laughs> I was just thinking that. How are there four players worse than him? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah, okay. So my favorite thing about Dalbert is when we were first linked to him, the price was $12 million. And over time, Appertini <laughs> just dragged it out, and we ended up paying $22 million for this guy. Oh, God. And if you went on Nice's French language forum and Reddit, their fans were openly mocking us. <laughs> now, but here's, I have two factors that, like, Dalbert almost didn't make this list, but I have two reasons why he snuck off it. Number one is because, and I won't geek out too much on this, due to financial constraints, we actually extended him by one season to try to manipulate his hits on our income statements, which is incredible wow. to me. Yeah. yeah. And number two is, you may recall, we actually had a loan swap with one of my personal favorite players, Cristiano Baraghi. Yes. Who was, in Conte's first season, a, a meaningful contributor. And Definitely. after the season ended, there was a lot of rumors that, hey, we're going to swap these two players permanently. Baraghi's going to come home to the team of his youth. Dalbert will stay in Fiorentina. And he did and okay in Fiorentina when he was on loan. What's that? He did okay at Fiorentina when he was on loan there. Yeah, yeah he, he was. He, they wanted him. Exactly. And the transfer fell apart because Dalbert refused to sign there permanently. <sighs> no, if he was in front of yeah. me, I would have slapped him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Number four on the list. I have the decision to sign Lukaku on loan last season over Dybala. Wow. Controversial. Controversial. I'm kind of cheating a little on this one in the sense that this wasn't necessarily a transfer, but let me break this one down. So Lukaku was a worse player than Dybala last season. I think it's hard to argue that when you look at how few games he played and how impactful Dybala was before he got hurt. Lukaku's wages were double better Dybala's and Lukaku required a juicy loan fee we paid Chelsea as opposed to Ibala, who was on a free transfer. And when you look at the loan versus lease discussion, if Ibala was here right now as one of our forwards, think about the money we'd have freed up to sign a Pavard at center back. Could have used that money that we got from Onana, or maybe you could have even kept Onana anywhere else. Instead, we're about to spend, you know, 25 million on Beto, 40 million on... <laughs> to repay for the sins of the past. So that's why I have the Lukaku loan at four. Bravo. Couldn't agree more. Great. I'm glad you cheated a little bit and added that to the list because this is exactly the sort of stuff where some, what some of us were saying last year, which is, yes, Dybala is an injury risk. Yes, you know, Lukaku is a proven Serie A commodity at least um, and might complement Lotaro's style better. But Dybala would ultimately be a, uh, you know, a purchased asset, an owned asset yeah. of the club versus Lukaku, who you're just kicking the can down the road to figure out a solution for later. So I, I applaud you on including that one. All right. Number three, I am going with Akeem Correa. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
he is the only player on this list still in our squad. We we struck oh. out. Sorry, that was just a, a, a <laughs> grunt of pain. Yeah, sorry. All right, Perea, $35 million. He was one of our last <clears throat> options after missing out on Taram, who got injured, Zapata. Provide no, no podcast would be complete without name dropping Zapata at least once. <laughs> hey, I, I'd like to point out to you that Skamaka to Atalanta unlocks Zapata to Inter. I know, uh, absolutely. Okay, <sighs> Correa kind of speaks for himself. I feel like I'll yeah. just leave that one for you guys to, to, to wipe off our faces here. Okay. <laughs> And dr- drum roll for your number one. Or is it number two? Uh, I'm on number, I already, number two. I already lost count. Number two, I have Jal Mario. No, that has to be one. How, <laughs> so, could, that be not, how could not that not be number one? Unbelievable. So, so Jal Mario <laughs> was incompetent for us, constantly acted out, received a golden handshake after several pointless loans. And so I'll add the co- this caveat. Joe Mario has the possibility to move to number one if Sporting successfully sue us for the $30 million in damages. Can you imagine? We have to sell Barella to cover for getting sued for Joe Mario. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I think that uh, leaves only one possible candidate for number one, but I want to hear you say his name. I think I want to surprise you a little bit on this one. My number one worst transfer post treble is Raja Nangolem. Ooh. Oh, okay. So th- this might be a hot take, but I just want to point out we spent forty million on him. Yeah. Plus Nicolo Zano- How do you pronounce his name? Zaniolo. Zaniolo. There we go. 40 million plus another player who at his peak was worth 60 million. We essentially spent a hundred million dollars on Mangola. <laughs> and we received one season of mediocre football out of him, including a Champions League clinching goal against Empoli. He did score a sick goal against Juve, though. I, know, I was just going to say that. Yep. And don't forget, he cost us the services of Davide Santon, aka future Maldini. <laughs> Actually, Nangolan was only like 24 million plus Chaniola and, and Santon. So it wasn't like 40 plus. It was like Thanks, 40 th- Thankfully, e- it wasn't 40 cash, but yeah. It was 40 in- or 38 included. Included Santon was nine million and Saniolo was five million. But anyway, pretty bad. Yeah, anyway. So twenty eight, I think, was the pure. Uh, 20, 24. 24 was 20, the pure 24. cash. Okay. Yeah, it's not that bad, but but we we know the story because we didn't got anything out of him. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, Johnny scored against us like twice at Cagliari as well. <laughs> For what it's yeah. worth on transfer marks, they have it as 38. But regardless, I don't think my, my greater point here is we gave up close to 100 million in assets all in if we would have, which I'm sure we would have, immediately turned around and sold Zaniolo at his peak. 
And that is why I have Nangolan as my worst transfer. My honorable mention list is Lazaro, who we trained with the first team for six months before leaving alone forever. Barbosa, Gabby Goal. The reason Gabby Goal isn't on my list is we actually sold him for quite a hefty yeah. fee. We were able actually, to recoup. Yeah. We recouped the majority of it. So despite the fact he was a monumental flop, he actually didn't hurt us too much financially. And my last honorable mention is the other bust we signed from Lazio, Hernanes. Oh, wow. That is interesting. I, I think um, – great list. Um, like I said, I applaud you for including the Lukaku Dabala uh, nonsense because it, it was. Um, my only concern is I, – I, and I agree with Raja too. Uh, Nyangalan, I think, was, was a massive bust. And we gave up a lot. We got fleeced in that negotiation also because I know he was at the prime of his career, but he was, I think, 30 or 31 when we signed him. And I, and I think that's still among like the top five amount, the most like that's ever been paid for a midfielder over 30. Um, yeah. It's like in the top five. So yeah. I think we got fleeced in a lot of ways there, but I just, especially given their attitude, I don't, I just cannot put, you know, John Mario and Dalbert at the top <laughs> of those. So that, I mean, John Mario has to be number one. I hate that guy with a passion. Like, I'm sorry. With the passion of, like, a million burning suns, the guy's just – he's just so horrible <laughs> in every way. And his attitude consistently when evaluating moves away from Inter was horrible. Um, and Dalbert is, you know, just a mini mini version of John Mario, I think, in that sense, just less of a cost. John Mario also, you know, culminates this depressing transition from Kovacic to um, – uh, Kandogbia <laughs> to John Mario, which was just, you know, in, in, in context, it was just such a depressing move from one to the next to the other. So yeah, for me, John Mario is number one and always will be, but uh pretty good list. I reckon. Um, oh, sorry, go Mika. Sorry. Oh, what are your, what are your opinions on that list and who are you? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before, uh... Before I, I say my comments uh, on or or my lists, uh, I wanna like comment quickly on the Lukaku, which I hardly disagree. <laughs> but but you you know already that uh, uh, I don't think it's it's a bit of an hint hindsight to say that Lukaku was a was like a failure because the injury or the two injuries play, played a big part of that. But uh, of course, we can, we can rate it that way also since that. But that's also only one season, so the, so the injury played too big part because when, when he started playing well, he, he scored and contributed goals for us. But yeah, I, I don't agree with the sentiment that we should have definitely gone with Dybala. But yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, on my list, I, I I had actually two lists because I wanted to. One list wasn't enough. For the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I had this one list which was like a like a pure transfer, so financial financial like details included, and other one was like pure on pitch effect, like what what happened at the pitch. 
So that that was uh number number five is Correa, number four Cha Mario, number three Lazaro, number two is Dalbert, and and one is uh, Gabigol. Because I don't think he he did anything for us. Uh, and that's on pitch contribution. Yeah, the pure on pitch. But but yeah, then on the like a transfer wise. Including including all that uh, money money things, uh, I had I had Nyingolan only fifth because I think he contributed somewhat for us on the pitch as well. Even though it was only one season, so <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> maybe he should be higher. But yeah, then then Lazaro and Dalbert, and then Correa and Joao Mario. Maybe Correa is too high because he, he has scored some important goals for us, but I, I just hate the guts of that guy, so that's why he's so high. <laughs> and, and then Joe Mario for obvious reasons, what Irfan already mentioned. I, I yeah. do enjoy, there, there was a time you may recall where I refused to call him a chemical because he does not score goals for us. <laughs> when Barbosa <laughs> was here and People still didn't really know what he was. You know, everyone just kind of watched the Brazilian highlights and people thought he was going to come in and be a right winger in Spalletti's system. Yeah. Even though this guy was a pure number nine. And then I think he finally got on the pitch as a right winger in a match. And every time he touched the ball, the San Siro was just ooing and aahing as he proceeded to do absolutely nothing. And that's really <laughs> my only lasting memory of Barbosa at Inter. My so I don't have a list myself, but I just have some handful of you know remember those guys kind of thing. Just some random comments, but I've never seen us unveil a player like we did Gabby Gol. You know, um, unlike you, I will give him the respect of calling him Gabby Gol because, like I said, he's a two-time Libertadores champion, <laughs> <laughs> including scoring two late goals in the uh, in the final. Um, no, but. We had like a press conference for him, you know what I mean? Just like a, we 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 booked out like some theater and stuff. I still have like the photo on my phone at some point of you know him doing like a selfie with like Zanetti and Arsilio and stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I've never man. seen us unveil a player in that sense. It was obvious that we were you know leveraging the whole Ronaldo nostalgia hardcore. Um, you know, oh here we are signing this new you know, Brazilian attacking phenom. Um, but obviously the the way his career ended out was dismal. Um, but for me, like, I'm going to go right back to the start because you said post-treble. The season after winning the treble, I'll remind everyone that our transfers in were Coutinho, who was like 16 at the time or something, 17, um, Biabiani, and a backup keeper, Castellazzi. That was all we signed after winning the treble. Um, and from there on, that was an indication of how we intended to operate and just the complacency and lack of proactivity in management. Um, and you see the panic that we went into in January after seeing that the post-treble decline was hitting us hard because that's when we signed, you know, um, Pazzini, uh, Ranocchia, um, Hussein Kaja as well, you know. Um, 
on Nagatomo after realizing that Santon would unfortunately not fulfill his destiny as the next Maldini. Um, and then from there, we have just, you know, all these random transfers that like everyone knew would be a complete waste of time, but we did them anyway. And like these loans as well, such as Wallace from Chelsea, who was like some Brazilian right back. I think he yes. played once or twice. Um, we also loaned Montoya from Barcelona, <laughs> who on his unveiling pretty much said, I can't wait to go back to Barcelona. <laughs> Did he ever play? I think he played once or twice, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, speaking of, you know, mediocre wingbacks that we loaned, there was also Cedric Suarez uh, from from Southampton, I think. Yep. Who later joined Arsenal. Um there was also Vasilico, who I didn't mind to be honest, but you know, just due to his injuries, he didn't really take off. Um, another, maybe the king of of terrible right backs, uh, Skeletor, of course, from Atalanta, Il Galgo, the greyhound, um, <laughs> who shed tears upon scoring an <laughs> equalizer in the derby. Um, it's uh, you know, and then there's the obvious kind of you know names like Budingai and stuff like that. Kuzmanovic, everyone's favorite kind of you know real, real like F tier signings. Um, Pereira, Pereira, from Pereira Porto. Too, of course, yeah, yeah. What a, what we did a some really, <laughs> we did we did some really puzzling business. Um, so it's it's really hard to just. Uh, you remember Yan Mvia? I actually thought he might do. Okay. I was excited about him. Yeah, yeah was, he was I, one of those. All in. He was one of those, like, you know, Chuamani before he went to, <laughs> before he went to Real Madrid. Kind of like, there's always these young players. Like I said at the start of the episode, young players in France who are, and you know how it's like with, you know, these fan channels and fan platforms, these big names like the whole Mark Goldbridge, United stand. These kinds of guys start, you know, talking up talking up players and next thing you know that name is just across all the fan bases lips you know what i mean like on uh was it i think it was rasmus hoyland this time around was you know every man united fan was ranting or raving about him after i'm not saying the united stand started that but you know how it is it's it spreads like wildfire i remember back then a lot of play a lot of teams fans were saying you know oh, there's this guy yan and via plays him plays him um, <laughs> Toulouse or wherever he played um, the black and red team um, and I think it was Ren maybe um, yeah it was Ren yeah yeah, yeah Ren and um, he's got great passing and he's got that you know that pivot down in, in midfield uh, kind of like the whole Luis Gustavo thing and he ended up being a bum I actually had a nightmare that we signed Lewis, uh, Lucas Podolski from Arsenal and then we did a couple of weeks later <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, go Forlan. Forlan. I, I didn't think Forlan would be as bad as he was, but yeah, he was. He was pretty bad. Um, there was, yeah. of course. Well, yeah, but, but Forlan, do you remember how we tried to register him to the Champions League list, and then we couldn't? Uh, yeah, he played yeah, in the qualifier. Was, he, he was cup tied. <laughs> and yeah, I concept that nobody. <laughs> Don't forget, we signed. Um, Chana Erkin as well from Fenerbahce, and then he didn't. For two weeks, or 
Yeah, yeah. And then Mancini like hated him so much that he got rid of him for a season. We did a great deal of signing Eva Benega on a free from Sevilla and then sold him after one very successful season later for only 10 million. Yeah. Which is even back then really, really low money, you know? And then, of course, he right. went to beat us in the Europa League final a couple of years after that. Um, really owned us, yeah. Um, Medell was one of those guys who yeah, was Medell. generally well-received by fans who I absolutely hated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, you know, some fans liked the fact that or praised, you know, these the stats of him having, like, high passing accuracy and stuff. But if you actually watched him play, you'd see that, you know, his passing was, was dismal, as was his positioning. Um, yeah, he owned us. He owned us when he played for Bologna, and we lost. <laughs> like we literally could not, we could not get past him to score a goal uh, uh, during that Radu game. So, and, and remember, he wasn't supposed to play. He was suspended, but because the game got rescheduled, he ended uh, up playing God. and completely shut the door on us against uh, Bologna, which ended up costing us the scudetto to Jay's favorite team. So, yeah. <sighs> what What about? Kanner Erkin, the Turkish left back who came here, maybe played one match before leaving. No, he, he didn't. I, I mentioned him. He, he didn't play one match. He got kicked out during preseason. <laughs> oh, sorry. I must, must have fallen asleep at the wheel there. Uh, I can also offer Adair to this conversation, who <laughs> we signed after he had three months at Sampdoria where he could not stop scoring. And it was apparent to everyone except for Roberto Mancini that. This was not going to keep up. And sure enough, we signed him. Fun fact, the last game I watched at San Siro, I believe Adair scored a brace against Udinese. There you go. Look, um, Jovetic, those are my guys. I like those guys. um, But, you know, for I just think the reason I think they didn't work was because of um, incompatibility with Icardi, who was obviously just our main guy at the time. Yeah. I want to end my segment on on an honorable mention for for a guy who I've already mentioned several times, and that's David A. Santon. The fact <laughs> that we um, loaned him from Newcastle, played him for a while, and then played him just enough games to trigger his obligation clause and then stopped playing him for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, uh, there was that whole you know infamous... Spalletti, you know, substitution, Santon, Perry, Cardi, you know what I mean? Um, when we were losing to you, oh, when we were beating UV 2 1, and yep. then came on to be partially culpable for, you know, for the for the late collapse. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that Jean Mario and Barbosa are one and two, you know, respectively. To be honest, I don't want to think about them to. Think about them more to actually come up with a <laughs> a ranking, but it's got to be one of those two for me. John Mario is still one of the five most expensive transfer transfers we've ever had. Keep that in mind. Does, does he redeem mm-hmm. himself for you at all, knowing that he scored, I believe, two penalties knocking Juve, yeah, Juve out of the Champions League group stage, whereas he essentially ended the fixture for us against Benfica with a. I can't recall. Did he give us a penalty? It used to be a handball, was it? Um, yeah, in the yeah, first yeah, picture, yeah. So perhaps a bit of a redeeming quality there for the Portuguese man. Yeah, 
definitely, you know, added a bit of flavor to his story. Um, Because as you know, with us, it's the story is never over once you sell a player. They always come back to haunt us in some way. Um, uh, Kondreva, <laughs> thinking about that. His goal against Donata. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in like the 85th minute for selling it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus. He, the cross, he did not mean to score. That somehow yeah. ended up in the back of the nets. Yeah. But hey, United fans got a good taste of that over the week when someone scored from the halfway line against Donata. Poor guy. <laughs> well, that was Funny a very fun and Funny times. Funny times. <laughs> yeah. As you can see, we're a very upbeat, optimistic podcast whose main goal is to tell you why Inter is going to win the Scudetto this year. That's correct. My, you know, I was, I was planning to be uh, optimistic this episode, and I think I achieved that. Um, I just want to. <laughs> You know, one thing I did think of was I realized last week I was talking about some of these signings as if they were like done deals, uh, namely Semonzic. I know he, we got the here we go from from everyone's favorite, you know, tap in um, Romano, but that Skamaka saga, that short but intense Skamaka saga kind of gave me a kick in the ass that I needed not to take things for granted because as we know in football and doubly so with Inter, it's not, you know, it's never done until it's done. So I'll leave that as my parting warning. I think what Jay is trying to say is that he fully expects the summer transfer to be hijacked by, you know, Lazio midweek. Milan. (laughs) Probably they'll they'll offer they'll offer seven million paid over two years instead of six point five and they'll you know just to hijack the transfer. Uh, don't, don't don't be silly, Miko. Milan does not need a keeper. They already have the best keeper in the league. Well, that's correct. Now that Anon is gone, so j- jokes on you, to be honest. But <laughs> My, I will die on the hill. Manjan is a better keeper than Onana. As it will bear out when we get Onana back on loan next season. <laughs> but let's let's hope it happens. I mean, there are some United fans who are still, you know, or who are on that we should have signed or we should have kept De Gea train. But we'll see what happens. Though. Uh, all right, I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Well. Believe it or not, we're only two weeks away from the start of the season. I think other European leagues, the Premier League. League Un, all that start next week. So I think we'll be back next week with another episode, maybe previewing the league and hopefully with a goalkeeper. All and right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, <laughs> I put it up on the striker, but perhaps the striker. Right. Thanks, everyone. See you guys. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>